Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Hey Southside Church, it's so great to be together. My name's George Franco, I'm one of the overseers here at Southside, and I have the opportunity to come and bring a message to you today. Uh, We're in this uh, series titled For the City, and I'm excited to share with you um, some things that we've been talking about as a church. But before I go there, I just wanna stop and take a minute. I don't know about you, but um, ever since March, it seems like life is a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, There's these ups and downs in this season of life, It's unlike any other season where there's more uncertainty than we've ever experienced before. And so, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I know, you know, more news kept breaking about how bad the virus was and countries and states began to shut down. And it felt like we were coming down a great big uh, mountaintop moment in life and uh, going into a valley and things got scary for a lot of us. Our rhythms and patterns of life changed. We went from uh, regular employment, some of us to unemployment. Um, And many of us started working from home, which was a shift in our rhythms and patterns. Our students uh, were sent home from schools and universities to finish uh, their classes online. And uh, the way that we went to the grocery store, the way that we took care of everyday habits and life changed all of a sudden. And it was difficult for many of us. And and then it seems like every once in a while, there's these moments where uh, the government eases restrictions and there's positive news about how the virus is flatlined. And, and then we might get some uh, good economic news of unemployment is flatlined or, or maybe our jobs have called us back to the office or to our workplace. And, and then um, there might be an op- a place where all of a sudden uh, we hear about a vaccine for the virus. And, and it feels like we're starting to go back up to the mountaintop, like there's hope for a minute in our lives and we get really excited about it. But all of a sudden, the next day you turn the news on and and there's a lot of political and social unrest in our world today. And all of a sudden the stock market takes a hit or maybe the news isn't good on the virus and and it feels like we're coming right back down into a valley again. I I don't know if you've been the same way, but it feels like from day to day or week to week that my life can ebb and flow. It can feel like I'm a little bit on a teeter totter from a a valley, a low experience in life to it feels like we're coming out of it, going to a mountaintop experience where we feel like things are looking better and we finally have hope again. And so one of the things that I've been doing as I go around and talk to leaders at churches all over the world has been asking this question of them, why are you better because of COVID? Because I find myself in a place where oftentimes I can start thinking about all the bad things and how life has changed and how difficult it is and what I don't have and what I don't get to do anymore. Instead of reflecting back and saying, maybe God is up to something. As a church, we've been studying the book of Nehemiah and the life of Nehemiah. And one of the things that Pastor Mike has said is where there's opportunity, there's opposition. But if we take that phrase and flip it around, I think the same is true. Where there's opposition, there's opportunity. And while we've been experiencing the virus now for many months, it feels like opposition to everything that we want to do. But what I believe God is saying to us is there's opportunity. So 
why are you better because of COVID? And so think about it for a minute. And as you have responses, just begin to populate those in the chat box so that other people can see what you've been experiencing that makes you better, that uh, is better because we've gone through this pandemic. And for me personally, I can start to name a lot of different things, but one of them specifically has to do with my family. Uh, my son lives in Nashville. He's a soccer coach at a university and we just don't get to see him very often. And as soon as the pandemic began to hit and the lockdowns began to happen, he said, I think I'm gonna come home and hang out with you and mom for a while. And so for six straight weeks, we got an opportunity to spend time with my son. And uh, we, we ate dinner together, we hung out together, we watched some Netflix together. And uh, then we went out and played a lot of cornhole because we're competitive and we have to compete at something. And so we just got a lot of time together as a family to hang out. And I wouldn't have had that without a global pandemic. One of the things that happened during that six weeks is another university came to my son, the place where he actually played college soccer himself, and they offered him an opportunity to come back and be a coach at his alma mater. And so we got to process through that with him and walk through that daily. Like he actually would walk in and sit down in my office at home and we would have a conversation. And I've never had that opportunity to do that with my son since he's left the house and went off to school. And so other things that have happened, um, I've had more time to spend with my wife. We have two different jobs and we're running different directions and, and being sheltered at home put us under the same roof together where we had more opportunity to spend time and communicate and to care for one another. Um, I've had an opportunity to spend time with church leaders all around the world, but one of the things, I've probably spent more screen time than I've ever spent in my entire life with Southside Church, with the home team leaders, with the staff, with Pastor Mike, is I'm on a screen almost every day of every week spending time with those leaders. And I love each and every one of them. I love Southside Church. I love what God's doing in your community and through you around the globe. And I wouldn't have had the opportunity to spend as much time with you guys if it weren't for COVID. So I hope whatever it is right now that you're you're dropping ideas, that those ideas are rushing into your mind and that you'll be grateful for the opportunities that you've been given during COVID. I know it feels like a lot of opposition, but I believe God's bringing opportunity for us. One of the opportunities I believe he's bringing is an initiative called For the City. And that's where we find ourselves in this series. And as we think about For the City, we begin to think about all the people of our cities, wherever you're at, if you're in Chilliwack, British Columbia, or whether you're in Madrid, or whether you're in Houston, Texas, it doesn't matter where you're at. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina today, and I begin to think about all the people who are, are around me. And as I think about people, I begin to think about parties or events. And a few years ago, my daughter, Danny, got married to this awesome guy named Jacob. And they dated for about five years and we got to know Jacob really well. And he came one night and asked for Danny's hand in marriage and told us all the ways that he wanted to be a husband and a provider and a caretaker for her, the way that he wants to love her as a husband. And we were really excited for that. And it's our only daughter. Danny is our firstborn and our only daughter. And so as my wife and I began talking about it, as a pastor, I've seen some weddings go really bad. I've seen some events and other activities go really bad because when you get a group of people together, things can get out of sorts and, and people can get sideways with one another. And we just wanted the day to be special for Danny and her soon to be husband. And so my wife and I talked about it and we decided to hire a wedding planner. Now, some of you are probably going like for a wedding, do you really need a wedding planner? Isn't that excessive? 
Well, our wedding planner was one of our very best friends. She'd done a lot of weddings and she knew our family well. She actually knew the groom's family really well. And so we just felt like we had the opportunity to have the best day ever if we had somebody helping us to organize how the activities of that day went off. Well, Chris is her name and she comes to sit down with us and we began planning out this wedding. And I didn't realize how much goes into planning a wedding and how many protocols there are for weddings. For example, when you extend an invitation uh, for, uh, for someone to attend your wedding, did you know that if you're extending that to a single person, if you know that a single person has a significant other, that they're involved in a deep relationship with someone, that it's customary for you to extend a plus one invite so that they can bring that person along with them. But if you know someone who's single and they're just kind of dating around and they always have somebody that they're hanging out with that you're not obliged to send them a plus one invitation. I didn't know that there was a slight nuance or difference in how you would extend an invite. Um, did you also know that there's a protocol for how uh, money is spent? Who, who pays for what? And I just thought the bride's family had to pay for everything. I was looking at my bank account and trying to add up all the numbers and saying, how in the world am I gonna pay for all of this? But actually the groom's family is responsible to buy the bride's bouquet and also purchase their own family flowers. I wouldn't have known that without a wedding planner. And then the thing about weddings that I didn't really understand or know is the details of a seating chart. So at the rehearsal dinner, at the reception of the wedding, there's a priority and a protocol that's given to how people are gathered together and how they kind of celebrate with the bride and groom. The focus of that seating chart is all around the bride and groom being the person that we're gathered together for. And so as, as they go to the reception, for example, the bride and groom sit at the front and the center of the room and their wedding party um, begins to sit around them in order of priority from the best man uh, to all the groomsmen, from the bridesmaid to all the bridesmaids. And, and they're given a certain kind of protocol or seating chart. Then the family members, the immediate family members are seated in a certain position and the extended family members are seated in a certain position. Then all the other friends are seated in other positions as well. And, and you're trying to match people up at certain tables for certain reasons. And I had no clue about how that would have happened. And the wedding planner, what she kept saying is, this is to help the bride and groom celebrate the day and for the party to be all about them and not about other people. Because sometimes when you get to family gatherings, people can begin to jockey around and put themselves in some awkward positions that take away from what the main purpose is of the day. Now, if I would have just thrown the wedding party on my own, I would have really messed things up royally. And it would have been a horrible day probably for my daughter. But instead we had somebody to guide us through this process and show us what the real importance of the day was and be able to organize it in a way that we could communicate that to everybody who attended the party so that everyone had a really great time. And that's where I wanna bring us to today because Jesus is actually in Luke chapter 14, talking to a group of people. He's been invited to a party himself to someone's home that he has not got along with very well. And in fact, all the other guests that are at that party for the most part have been super critical of Jesus. And right away, I'm looking at this saying, why in the world would you go to this party, Jesus? It's set up for failure from the get-go. Like nobody there is gonna be super crazy excited that you're there. 
but Jesus goes anyway. And he shows up at this party and we pick up on the story in uh, Luke chapter 14. And as Jesus is at this party, he sees some things begin to happen around him. And, uh, and this is where we read in Luke 14, verse seven, it says, now he told a parable. Now, a parable is simply uh, using a, an illustration, an object example uh, to teach a spiritual truth to the people around him. And it's kind of funny because Jesus uses a party as the object lesson, and he's teaching a spiritual truth to him. He says, now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor lest someone more distinguished than you um, be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. So what Jesus, he's at this party and he's seeing a group of people kind of jockey around for position, for favor. They're, they're trying to say, hey, I'm important. Do you see me? And they're trying to be seen. Um, at this event by other people. And Jesus uses the example of a wedding party. And he says, what would happen at a wedding party if you showed up and instead of taking your seat where your name card's been placed at a table, what if instead you walked right up to the bride and groom's table and sat down where the best man is supposed to be seated? And you know you're not supposed to be there, but you're trying to make yourself be seen. You're trying to say, hey, I'm here, I've arrived and I'm important. What would happen at a wedding party is my wedding planner, probably Chris would have walked straight up to the table and said, excuse me, we have a seat over here at this other table. And in front of all the other guests, she would have politely gathered you and your belongings up and moved you over to the seat at the table where you were supposed to be seated. And what Jesus is saying to this group of people, if that were to happen, you would move from this high place into a low place and it would bring this element of humility to you. And so throughout life, I see this um, happening all throughout society and our culture is that people show up to events and they know the event isn't necessarily about them, but when they get there, they begin to feel important. They want other people to see them. They want, they want to be the center of attention. They, they want people to uh, take notice of them. And I specifically have seen this at sporting events. And so if you haven't noticed, I'm standing in a gymnasium and I wanna take you back a couple years ago to when I was invited to the Final Four basketball tournament here in the United States. Now, basketball is a big deal. I grew up in the state of Indiana and I know last week I talked about baseball, but really the biggest sport in the state of Indiana is basketball. It is one of the greatest games ever played. And so as, as uh, the season goes on in basketball and you come to the month of March, there's this thing we call the national tournament where 64 of the country's best teams are selected to play in a tournament and it gets eliminated down to 32 teams and then it gets cut down to 16 teams and then it gets cut down to eight and a eventually four teams, and they have this massive event in a city somewhere across the U.S. they call the Final Four Tournament. Now, in basketball, it is the ticket to get. It's hard to get a ticket, period. And if you get one, it costs lots of money. And so I've never been, but I've always wanted to go to the Final Four, hope, hoping that my team, Indiana, would be in the tournament one day. 
And so a few years ago, a friend of mine who runs a major nonprofit um, got a bunch of tickets to the Final Four tournament and he invited me and a guest to come to the Final Four tournament. So I reached out to one of my friends, his name's Brett. And I said, Brett, look, I got an extra ticket to go to the Final Four uh, tournament. Do you wanna go with me? And Brett's like, I'm there, man. Like, that's so awesome. Thanks for inviting me. We, so we hop on a plane, we fly to Dallas, Texas. And uh, Dallas is big, you know, big airports, big everything. And this game's gonna be played in AT&T Stadium. It's one of the biggest stadiums in the country. It seats over 80,000 people. Now I'm standing in a gym today that probably seats somewhere around 200, 250 people tops. And so AT&T Stadium is like over 150 times the size of this gymnasium. In fact, the big screen TV that's in AT&T Stadium is probably bigger than the size of this gym floor that I'm standing on today. And so we were just so excited to experience all these things and to be part of the tournament and to be inside AT&T Stadium and be with all these 80,000 people cheering for our team to win. And so we get from the airport, we drive to the hotel and we get to the hotel and it's like a 12 story hotel and it's buzzing, it's hopping. There's people all over the place and we look around and we see teams that are actually playing in the game. They're staying in our hotel and people are cheering and clapping. And it's just like, it's a great environment to be in. And so we go up to the counter, we check in and sure enough, they had our information. They slide us uh, special cards to check into our room. And we go up the elevator, we find our room, we open the door to our room and we go to put our bags down. And we notice on the counter that there's these two big giant gift baskets and they're full of all type of paraphernalia. Like there's t-shirts inside of them, food and snacks for us to eat while we're in the room. And there's all kinds of information. There's a special program about the final four. And then inside the basket, there's a commemorative uh, basketball for that year's final four. And we're just like, we're like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. But the holy grail of the whole basket was this little lanyard that you put around your neck and it had a badge that sat here. And I've kept this lanyard for years and years and years until about a year ago, I finally parted ways with it and threw it away or else I'd be wearing it still today. But the lanyard on it said VIP all access. VIP all access. And I was like, I can't believe we're VIPs. We have access to anything that we wanna do and see at this tournament. We'll go backstage, we'll see all the best things, we'll get treated like royalty. And so we were just pumped. We get to sleep that night. Next morning we wake up and we've got a schedule of events that we're supposed to attend. And so we start clipping those things off and it was really cool. We got to go here. Uh, there's this wooden breakfast that we got to go be part of. And we got to hear about John Wooden's legacy in the sport of basketball. And we got to be around some NBA uh, players and uh, commentators that uh, were celebrating just this event for college basketball and what a big deal it was and how hard it is to be one of the final four teams that were there. We got to go participate in this skills area where they had all kinds of games that would simulate what it's like to play at that level of basketball. And uh, and then we had some free time. And so we were looking at the schedule and we saw that, hey, there's, a, there's an all-star game going on for the senior class. 
And we're like, hey, let's go down into the stadium and let's go participate in that. And so as we're up in AT&T Stadium, like we're way up in the rafters where we came out uh, into the arena and we started working our way down because it wasn't completely full and we didn't have assigned seats, but we had these VIP all access badges. And we started working our way down towards the floor and we said, we're gonna get as close as we can and get a good seat to watch the game. And as we started working our way down, we noticed that the seats on the floor actually had ropes around them. And as we got a little bit closer, we could see that it said VIP seating. And we were like, that's us. We're VIPs. We have all access badges here. And so we keep walking down closer and closer. We, skip, we go by row after row. And now these rows are full of people and all these people are looking at us and uh, eyeballing us to see where we're gonna finally sit. And as we get further down, I'm like, they're gonna see that we're VIPs. We're going straight to the floor. We're gonna get one of those special seats. We're gonna be up close and personal for this basketball game. Everybody's watching us. And so we get down to the security guard and she goes, hey, can I help you? And we said, yeah, we, we, we're VIPs, all access right here on our lanyard. We just wanna go grab a seat here and watch the game. And she said, yeah, of course. Um, she said, do you have something else? And we were like, what do you mean something else? And she said, well, I see the badge, but we're looking for a specific color on the badge because they have different colors for different things. And I'm like, uh, no, this was the badge we're given, but can't you see we're very important people? Like we're supposed to have access to the floor and be sitting down there. And she said, I, I can't let you go right yet. But she said, let me call my supervisor. I'm sure it's just been a misunderstanding or there's just something wrong that I don't know about. And we'll get you right down to the floor seating. So. The whole time she's on her radio with her supervisor going back and forth and we're standing there and everybody's staring at us. And I'm like, man, I don't feel like a very important person all of a sudden. And so after several minutes of back and forth, she can't figure out the answer. And we just finally said, hey, you know what? We'll just go back up a couple rows and get a seat, sit with the regular people, not be VIPs, even though we have this lanyard that says we're VIPs. And so we, we backed it up several rows and we just sat down with the everyday common people who paid for a ticket. And uh, so we're kind of frustrated at the end of the day and we go back to the hotel. And the next day we decide to go back to the arena and we're getting ready for the first game to be played. And I told Brett, I said, man, traffic was horrible yesterday. And as we were walking by the stadium, I saw this parking lot that said VIP. So tomorrow let's just drive, let's cut through the traffic. Let's get to that parking lot. Let's park there so we can get right in and be on time for the game. And so Brett's like, great idea. Um, so we, we get in the car, we head towards the stadium, we cut through traffic, and I mean, it's miserable, bumper to bumper. Think about 80,000 people trying to cram into one area. And uh, as we turn into the parking lot, I mean, there's been a long line and there's a security guard checking everybody's credentials. It's pouring down rain at this point. And I roll down the window and I hold up my lanyard, my VIP access pass. And I show him, I said, VIP access. And uh, he goes, whoa, 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 hang on just one second. And I said, well, uh, you can't see it. Do you need me to take it off so you can see it or scan it or something? And he was like, no, no, no. He said, I don't think that uh, badge works for this parking lot. And I said, well, it says VIP and the sign at the road says VIP parking and we have all access. I think that's the biggest pass that you can get. And the guy said, no, 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 um, that pass doesn't work for this parking area. It's a different group of VIPs. And I'm like, well, a VIP is a VIP. Like I'm an important person. I should be able to park in this parking lot. And he was like, no, I'm sorry. I can't let you park in this parking lot. You know, I'll get in trouble if I do. And so I'm gonna have to get you back out on the road. And I said, but traffic's really bad. There's no, I don't think you're gonna get us back out there. Can't we just park here anyway? And he was like, no, you're not a VIP. 
And so what the guy does in the pouring down rain is he goes five cars behind us, cuts traffic off at the road, backs up traffic even further, and he holds up everybody so that we can recirculate our car and turn around and come back and get in the common line of traffic. And we ended up parking like miles away from the stadium and having to walk in and we were late for the game. So the next morning, um, we go down for breakfast and Brett and I have been pretty frustrated with our VIP all access pass because every time we try and use it, we don't feel very important. And as we're down at breakfast, my friend who is hosting us comes up to us and he's like, hey, how are things going? How are you enjoying your time? Did you enjoy the game yesterday? And I'm like, man, it's been great. Like, honestly, we have no complaints. We're so thankful to be here, but one problem and he said, what's that? And I said, this VIP access thing, it doesn't work very well. Like we tried to get into the all-star game and sit down at the floor where all the VIPs are. And we kept saying, we're a VIP and they're VIPs. We should be sitting together. And the lady wouldn't let us in. And then yesterday we went to the game and I went to the VIP parking area and I showed him my all access pass. And I said, hey, I'm a VIP and those are VIPs. We should be all parking our cars together, right? But the guy denied me access. In fact, it was kind of embarrassing. He turned me around in front of everybody and inserted me back into traffic and I held everybody else up from getting to the game as well. And he looked at me and he buried his head and he started laughing. And I said, hey, what, what's so funny? I don't understand what's going on. And I said, it was kind of embarrassing a little bit. And he said, yeah, he said, um, I should have probably told you this. We didn't think it would be that big of a deal. But he said, that's not a VIP access pass for the tournament. And I said, but it says VIP right on top of it. It says all access pass. And he said, yeah, we printed those up in our office because you're very important to us. And we wanted you to know that that pass won't get you anywhere in any stadium or event that you want to get to. And so Brett and I just busted out laughing. It was like, oh my gosh, like here we are. We thought we were the most important people at the game. We thought that everybody should take time out to pay attention to us and put us at the seat of honor. But the fact of the matter is, when it came to the basketball game, 80,000 people didn't show up to see me go sit down at the floor. 80,000 people didn't show up to see me park in the VIP access area and just walk into the stadium. 80,000 people showed up to watch a bunch of players play the game of basketball and to do their very best at a game which everybody was excited to see. It had nothing to do with me at all. And you see what I think Jesus is actually telling this group of people that if you are at a party, this dinner party like we are, or if he's using the parable of a wedding party, he's saying, why would you show up to something that you know isn't all about you, but in turn, try and make it all about you? Jesus is trying to get this point across to uh, the people that are leaning in and listening to him that it's not all about you. It can be really hard to not make it all about us. I mean, oftentimes that's not our intent anyway, but we can show up at an event or a basketball game in my case. And all of a sudden, before we know it, we want people to know that we're there, that we're, we're valued, that we are important people as well. And those behaviors are hard for us to break because that can be our natural set point when we don't even know it. And so we have to change that by creating good habits and good behaviors in our life where we put other people in front of us. 
A pastor recently said this. He said that good behaviors are created the same way bad behaviors are, one behavior at a time. And I think that's one of the reasons why here at Southside, we've created these opportunities where we can serve people throughout every single week. But specifically at this time during the year, we do this initiative called For the City, where we intentionally and purposefully put other people's needs in front of our own. And we say that you matter, that you're important. And this is exactly where we pick up with Jesus in the story. He says this in verse 12. He said also to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you and return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And what Jesus is really saying is that when you invite your friends and your neighbors, when you invite uh, family members to attend a dinner, they're not the ones that really need a meal. And Jesus is saying, do something for the benefit of someone who could really benefit from it. Do something for someone who really needs it and can benefit from it. And so the next thing that Jesus is telling us is that all people are important to God. And, and this is the part where I believe here at Southside, we really care about everyone. We wanna love everyone. And so in this For the City initiative that you can sign up for and be part of as we move as an entire church and put other people in front of us, we are looking deep to other people's needs and saying what is needed inside of our community. And that's what we call actually our expanded vision here at Southside. It is our vision to look deeper to the needs of our community. And we talk about it as this, to give more help, more hope, and more home. That's our vision. And when you think about it, help, there are lots of people who need help out there. They're helpless. There are lots of people who are hopeless during this time. They haven't seen the benefits of COVID and they're struggling to see where God is in all this and if they matter in the big picture of things. And there are people that don't feel like there's a place where they can call home. And so as a church, when we come together for the city, it's not just about Chilliwack, it's about where you're planted, where God's put you. It's about other people around you to bring them more help, more hope, and more home. And so if you text FTC to 604-670-3040, you'll get a link back and you can see several of the initiatives that we have going on. We have an initiative to support local businesses and take help to our corrections facilities. We have an initiative that brings cars into a bay and washes them and cleans them up and gives people gas cards for people like single parents and for uh, frontline workers and for seniors in our communities. We have an initiative called the Sunshine Fund where we pack these boxes that are full of gift cards that bring hope and help to people who are battling cancer. And then we have an initiative that you'll see out there called For Your City, for, F-O-U-R. And what's really cool about this initiative, it's four action steps that you can take anywhere that you are in the world today, here in North Carolina, in Hawaii, in other countries, or in Chilliwack, that you can take these four action steps to put other people's needs in front of yours and say that you are important to God. And so I'm encouraging you right now to text in FTC to come be a part as we, as a movement all over the world, stand up and say that all people are important to God and that we're putting others' needs first in front of ours during this time to bring them help, hope, and home in our communities. 
as Jesus is talking to this group of people, it just reminds me that we come to a time where um, oftentimes it's not our finest moments that are remembered by people, but it's our last moments. And last week we talked about that you are created for greatness and that the way that you achieve your greatness in life is by using the talents and the gifts that God's given you and you step down from your position to step up into a leadership role. So what we call the upside down kingdom value that you become a servant leader. It seems a little bit like a paradox, but it's one of the most amazing principles of scripture where Jesus himself came down from heaven to serve us. And so what we wanna do is we don't wanna live for a short-term reward. We wanna live for a long-term gain where we put other people's needs in front of ours, where we say, I'm not the most important person, but other people matter to God and are important to God. And we care for them during this time. And as I think about this moment in our church's history, and as we live our lives with the end in mind, I'm reminded by the apostle Paul who wrote this in, this passage in Philippians. And I wanna encourage you, our church, with the same passage. Paul says this, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart and if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends with one another. Don't push your way to the front Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Southside, let's lend a helping hand and put other people first because all people are important to God. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the opportunity that you've put in front of us during the season to to be your hands and feet, to go out and to love people the same way that you've loved us. Thank you for this challenge by the Apostle Paul to to love one another, to be deep-spirited friends, to put our things aside and to care for other people. And so God, I pray that in the weeks ahead that we will be known as a people who not only love you, God, but love other people. And I pray that you would continue to be with people in our church that have needs, Lord, that we'd be able to help meet those needs and meet the needs of our community. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.